0: Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tiemannini. Today I'm in conversation with one of the most compelling and interesting directors working in theater today, Oliver Butler. After being shut down following just a handful of performances back in March of 2020, Oliver, playwright Will Eno, and a cast made up of some returning and some new company members, will return to Brooklyn's theater for a new audience on October 30th for a three-week run of Gnit. The show is a modern retelling of Henrik Ibsen's bizarre and otherworldly Pierre Gint. And if you are familiar with Eno's work, you can only imagine what he can do with that kind of source material in this new modern take. In addition to Gnit, Oliver and I also discuss getting the national tour of what the Constitution means to me back up and running following the shutdown, and we of course will have a link to where you can purchase tickets to both Gnit and Constitution in the show notes, as well as social media information for Oliver. Now, one note before we get into the actual interview itself, I spoke with Oliver last week as he was literally exiting rehearsal and walking home, so there will be an unusually high amount of New York ambient noise in this interview, and the audio quality might not be as good as it normally is, but as Oliver told me before we started recording, this is about as an authentic representation of who he is as we could possibly get. So we went for it. And despite some traffic noises and a few guys in the background yelling, hey, I'm walking here, it was a tremendously insightful chat and I really enjoyed hearing about the process of getting these two shows back up on their feet. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Oliver Butler. Well, Oliver, I really appreciate you doing this, especially because I, I think you are walking out of rehearsal right now. How has that process of remounting this show a year and a half later been going?
1: Uh, amazing. Uh, and thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, we just finished our fourth day of rehearsal uh, where we uh, brought in three new actors out of a six-person mm-hmm. cast um, because other actors had other job they were doing. No one no one left uh, angrily or was forced out <laughs> of the project. Everyone just had other opportunities. And so we've got half our original team, half new people, and we have fully put the piece back together, um, you know, retaught all the blocking and started figuring out some new things that we want to do. Um, we get to rehearse on the set. The set itself sat After four previews 19 months ago, sat there on the stage and we came back to it and it looks identical. I mean, it really is um, like a time warp. So we sort of walk in there and we are rehearsing on the set that we left without any major fanfare um, exactly 19 months ago.
0: Wow. You mentioned the fact that half of the cast returned and half of the cast didn't. Um, What is that like to kind of go into this process with half of the folks having already lived in that world and half of them being new to it? it, I'm sure it's different than if the whole cast had returned, not necessarily better or worse, but um, how is that different for you as a director is what you're going to do throughout this rehearsal process?
1: I'm, you know i i try and just be positive about things even the things i can't control or maybe especially the things i can't control um you know i loved our original cast each of those people is just so amazingly special and uh caring and um i uh the the thing that i was most nervous about was that new people coming in would feel like their creativity was being stifled by the fact that it already existed Mm -hmm. so i tried to be very transparent about what we were doing i mean this would be sort of a good crossover conversation with constitution because we just put in um cassie beck into heidi schreck's position in constitution Uh so i had a sort of similar situation And what I found was that being actually very transparent about what we were doing and not trying to sort of, you know, con people into an idea that we were starting from scratch, but instead saying, look, we're going to start with what we built. I'm going to teach you what we built. And then I promise to give room for us to pursue our own creative interests once we learn that. Um, And that has been really good. I think where you'd run into problems is if you know if i showed up and said hey we're here to figure this out from scratch but you know in reality i'm sort of forcing them into something that already exists you know when the communication is unclear that's when it can get dicey um and they have been great i sort of think like it actually forces us to make sure that the decisions were right we've made some changes already um And that's because I'm, you know, 19 months smarter. We're all (laughs) slightly different people, you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, and this show is essentially about someone who is a wanderer and an adventurer. And obviously, after 19 months of people not really being able to wander all that much and not having the same types of uh, adventures that they would have before, I, I imagine that even if you didn't change any of the staging or the script didn't change, like, there would still be some sort of different approach from you as a director and from the cast as the actors inhabiting these roles.
1: True, true. And I'll say, I feel like full disclosure, one of the things I did over the COVID-19 uh, months uh, was I spent a month on the Appalachian Trail hiking this last oh, wow. spring. And then just this summer, I spent two weeks in Iceland, hiking in the Iceland of Iceland, Hornstrandier Peninsula. Um, so uh, I actually... Really went out partially mourning the death of my mother, partially figuring out what the hell I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, so I feel like maybe I went a little bit method, method directing on the show to sort of, you know, use adventure and journey as a way to more deeply understand myself. Um, and I think that has, a, I mean, weirdly though, I have to say, I feel like I conjured my future on the Appalachian Trail through the work on Ganit before I went on the trip. Like, there is... I could show you photographs of my trip on the Appalachian Trail or in Iceland, and it looks wildly like Kimiye Nishikawa's design. Um, and uh, so I don't know. I, I sort of feel like I'm in a somewhat spiritual place um, where I don't know, the things I've done or the things that I ended up doing in the future were already manifested in my artistic work. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a strange, beautiful place to be back in this world, and it feels like, in some ways, I never left it.
0: Yeah, well, and talking about being in that world, uh, it, it I mean, obviously anybody knows the show is based on Pierre Gint, which is a weird and strange world in itself, and then when you throw in the writing of Will Eno, who is as witty and inventive as there is a playwright working uh, today for folks who didn't see one of those handful of previews back in uh, March of 2020. How does will take this classic iconic kind of verse five act play and bring it into his own version of what the modern world is?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for one, you know, I'm pretty sure that Pierre Gint, that Ibsen, d- didn't even write it expecting it to be performed. <laughs> like, I think it's treated like a a poem play, even though I know it's performed a lot. I think that when he wrote it, it was not envisioned as an actual live performance. You can fact check me on that, but um, <laughs> I've heard that I it's sort you. of written as a poem, poem theater, you know? Um, now, of course, it has been done, and that doesn't mean that it's non-theatrical, but I like Will's version better, to be honest. Uh, Hmm. Will's version is an hour and 45 minutes long. I think it's full of sort of beautiful comedy and humanity. Um, It feels very true to me. And even the magical parts feel, um, I don't know, connected to uh, the real world in a way that I think makes the magic even more beautiful. Um, You know, I don't want to give away specifics, but, you know, I... I think Wills is a more, um, I do to call it progressive, uh, the ending of Wills is different from Ibsen's and I think Wills is a more humane, um, and modern take on the ending. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, uh, I personally, I think I, I like Wills version better. I mean, I, I don't want to offend the, uh, get it, uh, Pierre Gint has out there, but I think this is a, uh, I prefer this one to Ibsen's.
0: Are there a lot of diehard Pierre Gint fans out there that you've heard from, uh, during this process?
1: <laughs> oh man, they're brutal. They're brutal. <laughs> no, just kidding. No. I, uh, I have not heard, I've not heard from anyone, but I feel like, uh, <clears throat> I feel like they're probably out there and I will, I expect them to show up in my, in my mentions if yeah. I trash Ibsen too hard.
0: Well, I guess those, they would be trolls then, wouldn't they? They would be they would literally be trolls, trolls. That's yeah. It. That's it, that's very it. Very good, very good. Well, uh, this show is is one of the many who have um, found a way to have a second life after the, the pandemic, you know, shut them down. Some had been running for a while. Like you, you'd been only running for just a few days. As you went through the the entire pandemic and obviously you were quite busy with your hiking but other than that like was the plan always to come back or was there any thoughts of it it ended the way it ended or what was the whole process of deciding yes this is going to happen did it happen right away that that decision was made i, I yeah. wonder yeah how that worked
1: i mean you know we always went as far out into the future as we could so it was like when we left You know, if I found my my text messages from the day, you know, from March 12th, I feel like I sent a text to the cast that said, I'll see you at noon. And then I sent a text to the cast that was like, we're actually pushing back till four. We'll just do two hours of notes. Then I sent a text to the cast that said, we're actually not going to meet for notes. We'll just be at the show. And then we sent a text to the cast that said, we're canceling tonight. We will talk more about tomorrow. And then it was like this process of saying, well, maybe we'll be back in a month. You know, and then it was like, no, probably more like six months. And then, you know, a year in, it was Tofana and Jeffrey Horowitz who said, you know, they came to us and said, we want this to reopen our theater. It's there, it's ready to go, it's a beautiful piece. Um, And it was partially their commitment to make it happen that, uh, you know, that at least set the idea in motion. And then there was a lot of work to actually you know, get everyone together, everyone who we could get together back in to actually, you know, open the thing. So,
0: Yeah, and it sounds like that's a lot of, you know, a a lot of the processes for different shows in whatever they're in New York or regionally or tours that it it was kind of like that. And you you mentioned it earlier with what the Constitution means to me. You know, they you know, I think it was a very similar thing. I don't remember if you guys had started performances uh, of the tour yet. I believe you had actually, right? Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: We we uh, we had finished our, like, month-plus run in LA,
0: yeah, and
1: we were two weeks into our performances in Chicago, where actually um, Maria Dizia, who is also Willino's wife, uh, huh. was playing the Heidi role. So... When it shut down, they were two weeks into Chicago. And then with Constitution, sort of the same thing. I mean, our tour team, we were booked for years, you know, a couple of years, I think. And Mm -hmm. they just kept sort of canceling shows as COVID went further out and then trying to re-piece the thing together. And, you know, now we're, you know, we're booked well into next year, maybe further. Um, And, you know, it is very similar, actually. You know, the thing was sitting in Chicago, the set was sitting in Chicago for months, eventually they broke it down, put it in trucks, Um, and then it's, yeah, ready to go again, starting again.
0: Yeah, well, and you mentioned kind of restaging with Cassie Beck, and obviously that's a much different situation than what you're doing with Gannett, where you know people are just kind of coming into roles that other people had previously played but she's coming into the role of an actual human being who just so happened to write the show as a director how do yeah. you how do you walk that line how do you straddle trying to let her kind yeah. of bring her own Cassie bring her own self to the role but also being like this is still a real life flesh and blood person who is responsible for yeah. the show existing
1: so the fact is i you know i had a i had the chance to do it once with Maria Dizia so I had right. at least a little bit of practice for how you do that. And, um, I, I, and similarly, when I first worked with Maria, I was nervous about like, oh, is she going to feel like hemmed in by the blocking or the costume or whatever? And she was the one who was like, you know what? I have, pl- I have done understudy tracks before. Hmm. And she's like, I always feel like myself in them, even when I'm doing this other performance. And she was like, let's learn the show. And then we will talk about how, you know, how I manifest within it, you know? And so then when I went to Kathy and I said, you know, are you okay treating this like I'll teach you the blocking? I'm not going to sort of be coy about it. I'll tell you what it is. And then we will build you into it. Um, and she was like, yes. And that is, I think, the smartest way to go. It's like, you know, as long as you don't sort of lie to people and make them think you're doing one thing when you're doing something else, I think there is there is an infinite amount of a person that can come through, even in the quote-unquote same production, you know? Um, and that's how it is with Gannett. That's how it is with Constitution. Um, and it really just comes down to being, like, honest and straightforward about process. I think people are very resilient when they feel supported that way.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and that's really what theater, I mean, it's such a collaborative art form that if you don't have that trust and that honesty, things usually don't go super well. But when you do, it's really kind of incredible what you're able to create, which it seems like is going on with both of those shows right now.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I just feel wildly fortunate. I mean, like, you know, I if, you know, if we get to opening here and again, we're getting tested every other day, there's a lot of stuff that could, you know. I, I don't want to assume that the future is is coming for me, but um, I'm extremely lucky. In like a week and a half, I will have two plays running in America. That is, uh, that is, um, I'm in an extremely fortunate position, and I'm just very thankful.
0: Yeah. When when you're t- talking about that that gratefulness and thankfulness, has that kind of and you talked about while you were hiking, trying to figure out what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? How do those two ideas and those thought processes overlap? I mean, obviously you're still directing, so obviously you haven't decided to go work in a bank or anything. Um, but how now that you've kind of gone through that that whole mental exercise and you're seeing how fortunate you are to kind of be back doing this work. How do you feel coming out of the pandemic as as an artist about what you want to do moving forward?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what I want to do for the rest of my life. I definitely will still direct plays and make plays, but I definitely feel clearer on sort of how much of my life is going to be theater making and how much of it I think wants to be connected to adventuring and even like adventure storytelling. I may end up doing some writing and, um, you know, some film or TV work around the idea of sort of adventure and experience. Um, so that is definitely like on the plate. I would say, you know, a big thing that came out of, uh, out of doing these big trips was uh, a trust in myself and an affirmation of my own. I, I you know, sounds sort of cheesy, but like when I was out on the trail on the Appalachian Trail, one of my first big learnings for myself was that I actually like myself. I like who I am <laughs> as a partner to myself. Yeah, which sounds sort of, you know, maybe a little bit sentimental, but it's also true. true. I don't know how yeah. often people say to themselves, "Hey, I like you." Um. And so for me, the whole process of being by myself out on the trail, and I mean by myself, like sometimes like three to four days at a time without seeing another human being. Um, you know, what I developed was this affirmation that I would in fact listen to myself and have an ongoing conversation with myself about the kind of work that I want to be doing. So going back to Constitution, no brainer. I love that show and I think it does something great for the world. Going back to Gannett, you know, it's Will Eno play. I love working with Will Eno, and I love this play. I love it for now, and I love it just as a piece of theater in the world. Of course, I'm going to go back to that. I've got my own theater company, the Debate Society. We've got plays we're making. I will, of course, be going back to making plays with them. But beyond that, I think I have to carve out more time to do the non-theater things that also bring me a lot of joy. And that's yeah. that is the priority that I've sort of walked away with.
0: Yeah. That's that's fascinating, and I mean, and so many people talked about, you know, kind of figuring out who they are uh, during this pandemic, or working on themselves, or doing something about it. And uh, it seems like you've really kind of had some really major epiphanies during this whole process, which uh, oh, I'm very happy to hear. That's awesome. Um, I will wrap yeah. this up because I don't know how uh, close you are to your destination on your walk, but I will wrap this up with kind of talking about, I loved the, one of the descriptions on uh, the theater for a new audience website about Gannett that says it's part horror story, part fairy tale and part road movie, which I love the types of theater that play yeah. with all different kinds of expectations and do things that, Probably no one else has done. And I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever seen a play that was either described as part horror story, part fairy tale and part road movie or made me think of any of those things together. Um, So obviously a lot of that has to do with, you know, Will's very unique sensibilities and storytelling. But how do you how do you as the director Take all of those disparate parts and make that a cohesive piece that you're gonna turn over to an audience here in just I don't know, I'm not good at good at math here in about uh fifteen yeah, days like or a whatever. Week and, uh, yeah, a yeah.
1: couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean Will does a lot of that work for you. And I I'm pretty sure that description was written by or heavily edited by Will. Oh wow. Um and yeah, so I, I have a feeling that uh You know, the answer is that Will does a lot of that for you. It's sort of already baked into the script. Um, You know, and my designers, you know, we had a really long uh, process working together. Our designers are just absolutely incredible. Um, And all of them, you know, is Dan Kluger, Lee Kinney, Kimi Aishikawa, uh, Austa Hofstetter, Avery Reed, um, and what else I missed, Dan Kluger, Lee Kinney, Oh and uh, MS Chandrashakar, right they all have uh, been sort of simmering with these other ideas you know it 's like what artists do is you take these different um, you know starting points and you try and find out how they manifest in the real world together so it has been a process of you know hard work and research and also sort of you know ritualistic channeling of you know, these sort of unknown places that manifest when you make a play. Um, uh, then, when I'm in the rehearsal room, obviously, sorry, it's sort of loud, motorcycles. Got Real-life motorcycles. Yeah. Um, in the room, of course, part of my work is to distill these, like, really, really complex layers and existential questions into really playable, simple things. And the great thing about Will's work is that he really rewards you for approaching things in very practical and reasonable ways. Like, you don't play grand existential ideas with grand existential acting. You play <laughs> yeah. the most existential, complex stuff in the most straightforward way. Um, and that has been a huge part, a huge part of the work of finding the practical, mundane beauty, um, in these fantastical worlds
0: yeah that's fascinating i cannot wait to see how this adaptation uh of such an iconic and strange work uh works in this modern storytelling so i am very excited uh, congratulations to you for both of the productions that knock on wood hopefully Um, get back up and running uh, as according to plan and, uh, of course, all of your other new adventures that you are going to be heading out to in the future. So, uh, Oliver, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to chat about this and uh, continued success in, uh, in everything that you're working on.
1: Thank you so much, Mac. Great talking to you.